Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. I want to talk about the crazy times we live in. Like me, you probably look around the world and see chaos, cultural upheaval, random politics, dominating opinions, social ills, economic crisis afflicting every region of our world. So what are we as followers of Christ supposed to do? Who are we to be in this world? Do we serve any purpose in this season of spiritual history? You know, I believe that the key word is purpose. So I want to take you up out of the immediate mess, out of the mess for a minute, and share a big picture perspective about what you are actually designed to do. Once you discover your design and the magnitude of your commission as a believer, you will actually find joy in the midst of crisis and chaos. I love this quote from theologian N.T. Wright regarding our purpose in the kingdom of God. He says, salvation only does what it's meant to do when those who have been saved are being saved and will one day be fully saved, realize that they are saved not as souls, but as wholes, and not for themselves alone, but for what God now longs to do through them. So the gospel of the kingdom is all about the saving of whole human beings, not just the souls of men. The saving of one's soul is of the highest benefit to that individual, but when a person's entire life is holistically transformed, the world around them also benefits. It must benefit. The kingdom is demonstrated when you shine according to your design. The dark places of the world are in desperate need of the sons and daughters of God to reflect the light of heaven into the worst corners of creation. Salvation is not just a means of escape from the misery in the world around us, but it's a commission to influence and align the world around you to the heaven that is now inside you once you become a follower of Christ. N.T. Wright goes on to say, The point is, when God saves people in this life by working through His Spirit to bring them to faith in Jesus, in discipleship, prayer, holiness, hope, and love, such people are designed— it isn't too strong a word, to be a sign and a foretaste of what God wants to do for the entire cosmos. What's more, such people are not just to be a sign and a foretaste of that ultimate salvation, they are to be part of the means by which God makes this happen in both the present and the future. So let's look at the original commission. In Genesis 1.28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This statement sets into motion what is known as the original commission. 
So the commission is further expounded when God gives them a job and a workplace. He gives them context. It says in Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden, the Garden of Eden, to cultivate it and keep it. So he gave him context and he gave him a job. This mandate came to Adam and Eve and set the original design of God into motion for the rest of spiritual history. So at this moment, they received the commission that would provide purpose and meaning to the rest of mankind, the delegation of responsibility for the rest of creation and the impartation of authority would legitimize their right to rule. God made creation to require their administration. They had to work for creation to work. At this moment, work was given dignity and connected mankind with the divine. So what is this commission to work? What was Adam's original commission? Taking responsibility to see the world outside the garden become like the world inside the garden. To accomplish this original commission, the Lord gave him the following resources. Gave him the model, the Garden of Eden. Delegated authority for the commission. The method, be fruitful, multiply, expand, and fill the earth. Subdue it, cultivate it, keep it work. You're called to work, and your work, you and through your work, are a vital lifeline between heaven and earth. I love how Dallas Willard describes our role and our purpose as a vital lifeline between heaven and earth. Listen to this quote. Individually, the disciple and friend of Jesus who has learned to work shoulder to shoulder with his or her Lord stands in this world as a point of contact between heaven and earth a kind of Jacob's ladder by which the angels of God may ascend from and descend into human life. Thus, the disciple stands as an envoy or a receiver by which the kingdom of God is conveyed into every quarter of human affairs. So managing your metron, I believe, is all about being the disciple that conveys the kingdom of God into every dark and desperate corner of human affairs. You're not only permitted to work, but you're commissioned to work. This is your connection point. You have received delegated authority from God to fulfill the same role given to Adam and Eve. The original commission is as much for you today as it was for Adam and Eve in the garden. In fact, you too have a garden within which your call to work is established. But instead of a garden, you have a metron. Okay, since many of you listening may be new to the program and possibly new to the term metron, let's quickly review the word. This concept is important. In any discussion, it's important to be on the same page as far as terms and definitions of words. So let's clarify. I'll share some commentary here from my book that gives the backstory of this uncommon term. What is a metron? The working definition of a metron that I put forward as the cornerstone of my book, is a measure of responsibility delegated by God to you in the midst of creation, culture, and spiritual history. It's said historically that all of life and the evolution of Greek civilization was based on the concept of metron. The word metron is used 11 times throughout the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 10.13, the Apostle Paul uses the word metron when describing his own measure and sphere of influence. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.13 again, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere or the metron which God appointed us. 
So a metron is essentially a sphere of influence, but it's more than that. It's a sphere of responsibility. But what is the actual definition of a metron? Let's look at the Greek word as used by the Apostle Paul in the scripture. Measure an instrument for measuring, determined extent, portioned, measured off, measure or limit. That's the definition of the Greek word metron. The Apostle Paul introduces us to this idea of metron. He explains that he has a measure or this sphere of influence that God has given him. Paul's metron was the sphere of influence that he was aware of and for which he took responsibility. He made it clear in his letter to the Corinthians that there were things and people inside and outside of his metron. Paul also makes it clear that he is taking his measured area of responsibility very seriously. Through relationship with God, we can discover the area of responsibility that God has given us. Once we have identified the portion of the kingdom we have inherited, then we are free to co-labor with Christ in the family business. Your metron is essentially the scope of work you do within the Father's family business. You matter to all that is within your metron, and what you do with your metron matters to God. Okay, so let's circle back to this question, what in the world am I supposed to be doing? In order to answer that question, you first need to understand who you are, your original design. Did you know that you're actually an apostle? Most of us wouldn't even know how to define the word apostle. There are widely varying understandings of the word apostle within the body of Christ, but I want to show you that all believers are essentially apostles to their metron. So check this out. Let's look at what an apostle actually was back in Jesus' day and prior to that. The heart of the concept of managing your metron is about realizing you are not only given a sphere of responsibility in the kingdom, but also it is your purpose to function as an apostle to your sphere, to your measure, to your metron. Here's a great quote from Dallas Willard that I feel really illustrates our functionary call as metron apostles. He says, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. Your metron, I would say, is your corner of human existence. I would suggest that all of creation and every corner of human existence is contained within the kingdom of God. But how does one actually live that life of the kingdom into those corners of human existence? Does God actually intend for you to convey the presence of God and the ways of God into every messy, dark corner of creation? It's a pretty good chance that you've either lived or worked in one of these dark corners. Think about really bad work experiences. I know I've had a few. You're probably wondering, what could I actually bring to the table in this messy equation? If we explore Jesus's very intentional use of the term apostle, we will find a very compelling vision for our purpose. I'll share an excerpt here from chapter 16 of my book, Managing Your Metron. I believe this will ignite a zeal inside you for life, your family, and every area within your scope of work, what's contained in your metron from God. So in chapter 16, I wrote, there are many different interpretations and understandings regarding the term apostle used in the New Testament. Each has a level of accuracy and all are derived from legitimate study and interpretations. 
One of the generally agreed on aspects of an apostle is that part of their job description in the kingdom was to be a sent one. These sent ones were given authority through Christ to serve as a representative of the church, particularly through engaging with unchurched regions of the world. I believe there is one especially helpful understanding of the original title apostle. When we view the word in the historical context of Jesus' time on earth, why did he choose to use the word apostle when he gave a job description to his disciples? That an apostle is a sent one is accurate, but there is more to the definition when viewed through the lens of the expansive Roman Empire at that time. To the average person in that empire, the title apostle would have been associated with its common use in culture. The term was often used to describe an envoy. Consider this brief description and word study from an anonymous author. He says, The concept of an apostle was invented by the Phoenician Empire and used heavily by the Romans. When the Roman army conquered a new nation, a new culture, something they did with remarkable regularity, the emperor would send an apostolos. It was the name given to the lead ship in a fleet of ships sent from Rome to the new land, and especially for the man, one man, who led that fleet. The fleet and that man were carrying the embodiment of Rome with them to the new territory. The apostle's job description in Roman culture is functionally the foundation for the apostle's job in the church to bring the home civilization to the new territory. In Rome's day, the apostle brought Rome's legal system, education system, language, government, financial systems, entertainment, and culture. His job was to make the new culture fit into the Roman Empire, to become Roman, to the degree that when Caesar arrived, he'd feel at home in the new territory. Okay, so this understanding of what an apostle was to do helps us understand our role within the Metron. Rather than attempting to establish Roman Empire culture in new lands, or in our metrons, we establish kingdom culture in the land of our metron. It is not Caesar or a worldly entity that we are serving, but the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The physical and spiritual condition of our metron is constantly ebbing and flowing and requires continual cultivation if it's to become pleasant and welcoming to the presence of God. This is where you come in, the Metron manager. So in your God-given sphere of influence, there's a lot of hostile forces that are willfully bringing chaos into the ecosystem you are managing. Sin, corruption, forces of evil, sinful human wills, and the fallen condition of creation, they all factor into the condition that we find within our Metron. All of these factors influence the amount of fitting in to the kingdom that your Metron can achieve. We have to reflect constantly on the promise Jesus gave us that he is greater than the world and that we are able to overcome. We're able to manage these metrons because of his greatness in us. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. So you, the metron apostle, are commissioned to convey the home civilization of the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, into the new land of your metron, so that when Jesus arrives, not Caesar, but when Jesus arrives, he finds your metron subdued, overcome, cultivated, kept, preserved, 
Just as Adam and Eve were commanded to do with the garden in the beginning, so we're commanded to do with our metrons in our day. You do have something to bring to the table in this messy equation. The Bible says in Psalms 115 verse 16, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Jesus won this territory, this new land, so to speak, through his work on the cross, but he commissioned his church to subdue, cultivate, and keep all that belongs to him. Ephesians 1.18 through 23 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. So what does one do with all of this? What do we do in this age Ask God that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. We need to lay hold of our purpose in this equation. Remember, your calling is amazing. The dignity and mission of vocation is recovered when we partner with God to see the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Functionally, you're an apostle to your metron, a sent one. You are on mission to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth, but let's make it practical in your metron as it is in heaven. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.